one night they're like, so we're going to go clean like rest stop, not rest stop, convenience store bathrooms. So that way they ever can show them the love of Christ. And I was like, that is fucking stupid. Welcome to Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And we're joining you on November 4th here, so it's the day after the election. <laughs> I don't know what the future's like or if there even is podcasts anymore, but... There, there's no future. It's, it's <laughs> pretty much over. This is the, going to be the last ever recorded podcast. <laughs> Did Maybe we just straight up like missed the rapture. Could that be? Uh, we're left behind? Know. There's still a lot of shitheads around, so I... Doesn't seem like anyone's gone anywhere. It's like most people miss the rapture then. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about all the people who think they're going to make it for it, the ones who are like standing around waiting and it's like, eh, I, uh, we're not going to miss you that much when you're gone. I think things might actually improve here. <laughs> if, if God exists, I hope we find out that he's like draconian in his enforcement <laughs> of the rules. Yeah. And then it's like the the god like the medieval the god of the medieval ages whatever yeah it does he smites yeah real hard my god smites (laughs) and you gossip so you're out (laughs) dude it's so funny i remember my mom not to jump right into just dumb family stories but i remember what like the first time being told or talking about uh gossip is a sin with my mom and it was during our um i guess you would call it bible class as a homeschooled family but that was when me and my siblings all we just sat in the living room and gathered and my mom would like read the bible i think the intent was maybe to read the entire thing as a family we never really talked much about it it was just kind of like well, that gets real it. tedious real fast if you start at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, well, There's we actually story. had this little Bible that it was um, an attempt to put the Bible in chronological order, which was. Oh, uh, that sounds kind of sacrilegious, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess um, there, at one point there was an attempt to um, in one of the renditions of the Bible there was an attempt to try to consolidate the four gospels into one. And when they did that, I mean, nothing lined up and a lot of the stories are told differently and it was deemed heretical by the church. So even then at the point, at that point, whenever that was, I don't remember during some council in the early, I don't know, before 1000 AD, I'm sure it was like, they realized that that shit didn't all line up and say the same thing. And for some reason that's really hard for people to wrap their heads around now. Um, but anyway, like we had this, we did this thing with my mom, uh, Bible class and we were talking about, I don't know, it was somewhere in the old Testament. Maybe we were talking somehow gossip came up and it was like, gossip's a sin. And I was like, interesting. I was like, what's like, I remember her talking about how gossip is just anytime you talk about somebody basically behind their back. I'm like, what if you're talking what if you're saying like, what if you're saying good things about somebody? She's like, that's still gossip. I was like, what? Like, you can't just say like, if you're ta- if if like me and a friend are talking about our other friend, we're like, man, he's such a great guy. She's like, yeah, it's still. I mean, that's still gossip. You're talking about them when they're not there. <laughs> 
that's a weird interpretation of it right like that's one like like that's that literalistic hard line like gossip is gossip is gossip is gossip. like what's like leaving absolutely no room for nuance i'm sure my mom didn't even really believe that like I, this isn't a story to throw my mom under the bus for <laughs> a weird interpretation of gossip i 100 percent believe my mom did not believe what she said i think she was just being like i uh yeah it is because she didn't probably my guess would be that she didn't want me to to doubt the bible uh or leave room for gray areas as she's trying to teach me right from wrong as a young child so i'm sure like there was that type of motivation involved but it was still a really really bad definition and even as like I that's don't know, a hard one to process yeah it's like a, I, I mean but it had to have been at least been like 13 like a little too old like to be given something that simple and i was just <laughs> like that i i knew immediately i was like that doesn't make sense i don't think that maybe true. she just didn't want to listen to you talk that's possible she was I, like, well, this will shut down 70 percent of the conversation <laughs> in one shot <laughs> probably like if, if god's real serious about not gossiping like I'm definitely going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I that's most of what I do is talk about people. Yeah, I mean, and... I've done my fair share. <laughs> my whole family will be there. Dude, do you ever like honestly, do you ever really like like you talk about somebody a bit behind like a good bit and then with someone like talk some mad shit and then like you actually like feel bad about it. Does that happen to you? Do you actually ever feel bad about it? It's fine if you don't because you're not a Christian and you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ living in your heart. I have no moral code yeah. to hold myself to. No, I mean, but it's a free-for-all. I, I've had that before. Like, there's there's definitely a few people in my life that, like, I'm just not going to listen to stuff like that about them, you know? Yeah. Like, my uh, my partner at work is such a great guy. And everybody loves, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, if, if you have a problem with Sean, let me tell you something, you're the problem. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. Like, I don't want to hear your nonsense, you know, but yeah, sometimes people that deserve it, even you kind of get to feeling a little sorry for them that they're taking the heat as hard as they are. I think like the worst is when, you know, you have a conversation like that with somebody and it's that person that like, like this isn't venting. Like this person just, they never get over this. Like they're going to talk to you about it every time you see them from there on out. Yes. You know, and it gets, it's like exhausting. Like it's an extremely exhausting thing to be subjected to. I mean, even at my previous job, there is this fucking knucklehead. He was like the biggest fucking dumb dumb anyone has ever met. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't one person uh, who thought this kid was good at his job or a reasonable human being. And it got so tired. Like, yeah, we have to see this guy every day and work with him. And but like more than work, like he was a big part of why I wanted to leave because it was just like and he it just got too much to handle working with this guy plus like he got he got the a promotion that i was trying to get and then he utterly destroyed the position and ended up actually losing his job because he was an idiot 
And I'm like, this kid makes me frustrated and I feel like bitter and angry when I go to work, but it, it would be easy enough to ignore if the eight people that I talked to, what that wasn't the only topic of conversation every day was how much that kid was terrible. Like work would have been actually a lot more tolerable if we were able to just ignore him and, and not talk about him or mention him at all. And it just got, it starts wearing you down just having the same conversations. It's like, yeah, he's he's not going to change. He's this is who he is. Why well, about we just right. figure out how to like live in this weird situation? Now, I, mean, I say that like I've transcended it, but I promise you, if I was thrown in the exact same situation tomorrow, I would do the exact same thing, and I probably haven't grown or learned anything in the past. Five yeah, years. I, re- I remember that situation like growing up. You know, when when I was in. Uh like middle school in that Christian school, you know, with all the rules and stuff. And I remember we used to like every day we would sit there and complain about like the dress code, the, uh, the, that. And then at some point, I think we all kind of like made a conscious decision to like, you know what? Let's not talk about it. Let's just, let's just deal with it and stop you know, complaining about it. And I remember that being like a huge turning point for me and how I felt about going to school was like, I, I, I stopped just lamenting the stupid things that I didn't like about it and just, you know, put them aside and, and enjoyed myself. And I, I remember that being like a point at which I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I don't mind school. Like I'll go to school, you know? Yeah. That was middle school. Yeah. Well, we developed no, what? I was going to say, that's a pretty, I mean, people don't do that. Right after Kids are, I stopped breastfeeding. <laughs> no, people, Maybe two I was, was, was going to say, people, it actually feels like a mature decision for middle school. I feel like the kids I knew in Christian school, like in high school, still complained about their dress codes. Oh, I have to wear khakis and like they hated it. And, and I never not heard them complaining about it so i i actually was asking i was like oh you were in middle school because i was actually surprised that you made you guys made a conscious mature decision like that in middle school (laughs) that seems way out of character for middle schoolers i'm sure we found other things to complain about it was just (laughs) like it went from an everyday thing to maybe like a once every week (laughs) thing you know (laughs) and instead of instead of spending all that time complaining you guys opened your bibles and and prayed to have prayed together and had a good group going, right? Exactly. Yes. Cool. Uh, really devotional, convicted, convicted private prayer time. Um, you read the Bible and the, did you ever have to read a book called, what was it? Daily bread. Oh, I, I didn't, but I know what, I know what it is. I think I had it and I was supposed to read it, but I don't know that I ever actually did. I just felt guilty about it every day <laughs> instead of doing it. <laughs> Dude, my my parents for like so i i don't think we've really gotten much into this um at this point but um i my shift out of evangelicalism was in my early 20s i don't think i ever would have like because that word was synonymous with christian uh, with me for quite some time. I, I had kind of shifted outside of that ideology probably before I would have admitted that to myself. Like 
I, I, I would have considered myself an evangelical, an evangelical probably into like my mid twenties. Um, but I've been out of it long enough and, and clearly on like a, uh, a progressive Christian trajectory, uh, publicly, uh, for a long enough time that I was very surprised when on my 32nd birthday, um, my parents, we had my parents over for lunch that week. I didn't think it was anything. I was just like, do you guys want to come over for lunch? And they're like, yeah. And they came over and they're like, oh, I thought, I thought you're going to have some other like people here. I thought you were doing something for your birthday. I'm like, no, I just invited you guys over for lunch. I'm 32. Then you don't have birthday parties when you're 32 and in a pandemic, uh, at that. So I, they had a little, uh, a little present and I was like, that's weird. I don't, I haven't got a present for my parents for my birthday. And since I was probably 18 years old, uh, maybe they sent me some money in college when I was in college for my birthday. I didn't get birthday presents anymore. And I, I, they'll, they hand it to me and they're like, Hey, we, we, we got you something. I'm like, Oh, that's great. This is going to be uncomfortable for sure. And I open it and it's a devotional, uh, an evangelical devotional. <clears throat> and it's just like, would like, I don't, I don't know what my face looked like. I wish I could replay it. Uh, and I was just like, Oh, cool. Oh, neat. They're like, yeah, it's good. This is, she's like, your dad reads this every day. I'm like, oh, thanks. And Coulter wrote it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, oh my God. It's called like uh, Morning Mercies is the name of this devotional. Oh, no. And, and I, I just put it, I put it in my room. I was like, cool. I'm like waiting. I don't think they'll ever ask if I've like read it. Um, and you just feel like shitty being like, you don't want to oh, just be, like, what, you know what? I, it was actually like, it was a bit of a mind fuck because I'm like, are they giving me this because they think I'm part of it like they are, or are they giving it to me because they're afraid that I'm not. And they're hoping that this will like, like pull me back in and, and seal the deal on my fate or something. And I don't know which one it is. I don't know what they're thinking when they, I have no clue what they could have possibly been thinking when they decided to pick that out for me. Um, I think it's probably like a, a gentle shove in that direction, but you know, in typical baby boomer fashion where it's like, well, we don't want to talk about it. Cause then we'll know it's yeah. easier to ignore yeah. the problem. When we don't know for sure. So yeah, <laughs> we'll that- just, <laughs> just kick the can down the road, land him a devotional. Hopefully he reads it. That's the best we can do. Yeah, that's the best we can do. Because all of my siblings are like, nah, I think we're over that. I could, I and, could leave a tip, but I'll leave a, a gospel track instead. Yeah, it's, yeah that same mentality. <laughs> I think I think it's possible they're just holding out hope that like I'll be the last one to like that I won't like abandon it. Like they're I don't know. They're uh I mean, three out of four kids have been like, man, eh, this isn't for us. So they're, I think they're feeling pretty bummed. Like that was their main like goal for parenting in parenting in homeschooling. So I feel like there's definitely like that. They're pretty bummed out uh, that things kind of went this direction. <laughs> but, yeah. 
well, you know, if you eat bologna every day for lunch, you know, eventually you're tired of bologna. <laughs> yeah, that's what it. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, so that's that's kind of a, a transition towards what we were planning on talking about today. So last time we talked about uh, my college days and sort of my my take on experience, you know, that experience and stuff. And uh, we were supposed to do both of us, but then I didn't leave any room for you because that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> you just you had so much to talk about. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, for dude, it's funny because there are aspects of your college experience that were like my pipe dream for college. Like I want, like, so your whole thing was the band, like that was the number one thing I've really wanted to do in college. Like when I, when I went to, when I first went there, um, my first year on the dorm, um, you know, his name comes up a lot and it'll continue to come up a lot. My, my friend, Jesse, uh, from back home, you know, he was, he was my best friend. So after like my first semester at Liberty, he was like, I should just, um, I just moved to Virginia too, and we can get an apartment together. Uh, so we started planning that out. And, uh, he, 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 when I was in high school, I was in a, a crappy, I don't want to even dig on it that bad. It was just a high school metalcore band. It was, I wouldn't want anyone to hear it now, but uh, that'd be embarrassing for me, but it was fine. It was it just, but it, it was, it meant a lot to me in high school. Like that felt like I was part of something. Um, I am not a musician at all. I can't sing for shit, but luckily I found metal and I could scream just fine. So I, <laughs> did the screaming in a metalcore band and i was it sounded decent like people liked it well enough it's not a particularly hard thing to do i couldn't do it now there's absolutely no chance i could go back and do that like i haven't exercised those vocals vocal yeah do you you, have you ever tried no i mean i just know if i yell too loud sometimes it hurts so i just don't have it in me like, I don't think I could just be like, you know what? I'm 32. I should start a metal band to do vocals. And it wouldn't, it's not a good idea. Uh, but, you know, so Jesse was the guitarist for that band. And uh, Jesse's a great guitarist. He would hate it if I said that. And I'm gossiping about him right now because I'm saying something nice. But, oh, geez, I hope your mom's not listening. <laughs> God, for more reasons than that, I hope my mom's not listening. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but he, um, so when he was moving down, it was like, we tried to start a band together. You know, we, we had a couple of songs. Uh, we had like, we found a drummer. We never, we kind of found a second guitarist for like a quick minute, but it just wasn't working out. And then, uh, then when it was clear that, you know, we just, I didn't really have the drive to push it. Like I was in school, I was dating, uh, seriously. Um, I was getting engaged. I probably got engaged shortly after that. And, you know, Jesse was just wanting to play music. So that's how we ended up doing music with you, uh, with you guys in the poison written. And yeah, you guys actually, at one point when Jesse and I were living together, you guys talked to me about being a guitarist. In oh, band. Yeah. And I had, I had to be like, no, I, I just own these guitars. I, I don't play them. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I get the uh, the identity confirmation that I need from them just by owning them. Like I don't actually touch them. Yeah, well, you fooled me because I was like, this kid's cool. He plays guitar. Trickery. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's all like a bit tangent, tangential because that was never really my big thing. I just wanted to be. I liked the the image that came with it. I would have. I felt cool. I when I was in high school, I only did a couple like two shows. Um, I just loved the idea of it. I still like it felt like the idea of performing like in front of people. It was fun. I, yeah, we we need to do an like an episode about music at some point because I I don't know why, but it does seem like it's the case. I mean, it is for a lot of teenagers. Like music plays a big role in people that age's life. Yeah, it's, it it does give you a sense of identity. Um, you know, something that's different about you than everybody else, especially like with heavy music. Oh yeah, dude, but, the, that feeling of like blasting suicide silence driving down like liberty park liberty way whatever like the stupid main road was at liberty and, like i remember like a black dahlia murder just like i remember the lyrics where it's like the, it's like what it's something about and what i don't even remember what album it was i remember it came out when i was in college but it's like a line that said something about drinking the blood of a child's broken neck and it's like just that <laughs> insane was it Suicide Silence? Did they have the, um, do you remember who was the, they had like the heavy breakdown and it was like second from like seconds from the end. What's it going to be? Pull the trigger, bitch or something like that. <laughs> do you remember oh, that, that song? Was, that was them. Yeah. Yeah. Man. It just, but having that, like that, like, you know, other people hear it and they're like, who, who are these people? Like, it just makes you feel unique and different and kind of a bit special and I always had a hard time fitting in and finding my place. So I think when I found like that genre of music, um, it, it made me feel uh, a lot better about myself just because I was able to like, it was like, uh, if you're not going to fit in, it's because you're going to find, you just find a group of people, you know what, you know how it goes. It's, I mean, it's nothing unique or special. It's just typical, like lit, late teenager like early college stuff where you're just like oh this works this this makes me feel good and and you find people who like it and you because it's kind of fringe if you find people who like that stuff you are just friends with them right out the gate it's not like oh you exactly. like katie perry too like everyone likes Katy. like you're not finding people because you both like Katy perry that's not why anybody becomes friends but when you both <laughs> like job for a cowboy because they're the first like band to come out with like the heavy squeals you're like oh we we it's like you're all in on a little secret and you like it <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly it but anyway I, I had no intention of really talking about music that much but um when i first went to liberty my um i i went i wanted to go uh, and get a bible degree like i was like th- it was important to me to like continue my evangelical trajectory get a Bible degree. Um, I actually really, for a while, like I, I think I thought I wanted to be like a missionary, which God, like missions is a huge problem. And like, I wouldn't mind, we could spend a lot of time talking about missions, trips and donating to missionaries and how 
essentially useless most of them are i but, i'm very excited to rip on missions trips yeah <laughs> uh but i you know I, I, that was like the most noble thing you could do and i knew i wanted a bible degree and i wanted to study i wanted to learn theology study the bible but i didn't want to be a pastor because i don't like speaking in front of people i didn't want to have to do that um and I, I quickly, I also want people to, to know, like for some reason it was always important to me to be like the quote unquote spiritual kid. I want people to know that like I was, uh, the, the good kind of Christian that, and I knew my stuff more. I wanted to know it more than everybody else. So I, I never shied away from getting in an argument or a debate with people on the dorms about anything related to the topic of Christianity. Um, so I quickly, you know, my first year on the dorms, that being my MO, it didn't really take long before our RA, uh, asked me if I wanted to be what Liberty calls, uh, SLDs, uh, suck, Liberty's dicks or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what it is. I Uh, regret this tattoo. (laughs) It's, um, they, I think it stood for spiritual life director. Does that sound right? Yes. That's, that's it. I think you nailed it. Um, and essentially that was like, you led prayer groups in your hall. Um, these things, the, the prayer groups were technically mandatory. Uh, but you also couldn't get in trouble if you didn't go to them. Uh, but you know, Liberty had like their, their big curfew rules. Uh, so you couldn't go out after like, could you not go out after 10 during the week or is it earlier than that? I want to say it was 10. And then on the weekends you had to be back by midnight, I think. Um, in college, dude, like, can you imagine? I had a, I had more of, I had less of a curfew in high school. And then you go to college and they're like in the dorms by 10 Sunday through Thursday, Friday and Saturday, you can be out till midnight. So weird. Young people need structure. They need to learn respect. Yeah. Uh, And the, the RAs would do their room checks. So they would check on you every night. But you know, I, our RA was, um, RAs at Liberty were always like, born to be pastors of some sort like they're go- they're clearly like want to shepherd a flock of some sorts um and our our um rra his name was his it was, we i mean we were on the same dorm i think we covered that last time but um rra's name was brenton and he was honestly a great guy like he yeah. was one he was one of the people that i thought i would have stayed friends with after college and um i was a little bummed out when we didn't but you know, we went all really significantly different directions in life and it makes sense that we didn't, but, um, I mean, I don't have a, I got nothing negative to say about him. He was like, uh, he was awesome. He was a great guy. He was a real close friend of mine in college, but, um, I was, he, he, because of, you know, making myself known as the goody two shoes Christian boy, I, I got asked to be an SLD. So, now I'm a, no, shoot. I wasn't SLD. I was just a prayer leader. That's what it was. SLD was oh. like the person, people in charge of the prayer leaders, man, I'm already forgetting all the lingo. 
There was two wow, SLDs. Yeah. I forgot dorm. that there was prayer leaders. Yeah. So I was a prayer leader and I actually, prayer leaders didn't have to do their community service every year. Also actually Liberty called it Christian service. Um, but all every year you had to have a certain amount of hours of community service. Uh, but prayer leaders that counted and that was a shoe in of a gig. It was just like once a week, you have to be in your dorms anyway. You just like, I would spend 15 minutes trying to like figure something out right before everyone showed up and try to get people talking about it. No one gave a shit about it. So they wouldn't really talk much. You were done in like 20 minutes. And but I, I also, I, I, it was something I wanted to do at first. And then I quickly realized it was just kind of a, a joke. Like it, it didn't matter. Um, but as someone who always like wanted to take my faith seriously, I remember um, it was my wife's cousin who, I think this, he had talked to me about it. My, my first year there, I, I, I transferred in as a um, sophomore. I, I got my, I did my first year at community college and uh, my wife's cousin who, who was going to Liberty too, was like, I, I go to this prayer group called the watch. Uh, it's like once a week. And I was like, though that uh, it was like I, at that time, my sophomore year there, that was not something I was going to go to because I knew it was a bunch. I, I, my understanding of it was, it was from hearing about it from Jill's cousin. I'm like, this is a Pentecostally sensational experience. And that's, that did not jive with what I thought Christianity was. I thought it was just a lot of weird shit going on. And I, I was like, I opted out and, and he brought it up to us a bunch of times. Like you guys should come, you guys should come. And Jill and I always were just like, no, or we probably were like, oh yeah, oh, but we're busy. Like we always had excuses and it wasn't until like my junior year that we finally went to this thing. And this was like, I owe, this isn't something I would go to anymore, but I owe a lot of uh, who I became or the, I don't know, maybe the, recalibration of my trajectory to this group um because it was the first time that i was exposed to different ways of being christian different types of people um whether it was their denomination their ethnicity whatever it was like the first time i was like really surrounded by people who weren't like me in every possible way. And I went every, I think I went every week for at least one year, at least. And it was like a experience. It was like singing and praying and you would, everyone put their hands up and, you know, I can't do, I just, I, I look back on that and I'm like, I don't know what I was feeling. It could have just been, it could have been the group think like it really, it could have been, I don't, I just don't have any way of thinking that 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 works like that anymore. Like I couldn't, I couldn't tap into that now uh, unless I did maybe mushrooms or something, <laughs> which it, it was just maybe like it was so different and it was obviously right for some people 
Yeah. And it also opened your brain to the fact that like, well, I mean, maybe this, maybe this is right for some people. I don't know what but I'm trying to say. But it did hit me. And it, it, it changed the way that I thought other people should be too. Like I tried to get everybody to go. Like I'm telling you, man, I don't recognize the person who was in that room. And that, this is why I think like, this is why I think that like when you, when you hear about things like speaking in tongues, like, like I really think it's a group think type of thing. Like it's, it's that uh, it's like a tribal ritual is almost what it's like. Um, I, I mean, my, I was like, arms up dancing around whatever like i was all in man I, it looked so like you, something so it looked like got, what's that so you actually got like into it you weren't yes. just spectating no i was not just spectating i was all in for at least a year uh and then it started to slow down like i wasn't getting the same feeling anymore it's like it felt like something out of a movie like when i look back on it it was just like you get into it i, I was always hoping something big would happen like you know, I always wanted God to do something like show something, be something, move something, make something like tell me something. And all these people would have a word from God. And I never, I was like, I don't. Uh, and then I remember one time someone was like, Sam, I think you have a word from the Lord for me. And I was like, ah, uh, <laughs> just start saying shit. And they're like, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything. And I think that was kind of a, um, that, that was like a moment where I'm like, I don't know about this anymore. Like it just stopped sitting. Right. But while I was there, um, the people who were part of that, I don't doubt their authenticity. Um, they were just some of the best fucking people I've ever met in my life. Some of them, I mean, are still heavy into that same type of stuff. I don't know how they stuck with it or why it works for them, but I, like I owe those people a lot because that was regardless of how much I look back on that and go, I don't think any of that was real. Um, or a lot of, I don't know. I don't know what that even means for it to be real, I guess. But what they did was they broke me out of the cocoon that I had just been in my entire life and said, the world is full of possibilities. And I, I, that, but they weren't, they didn't just do that. So like, this is why like I owe them a lot I think um is because so so through that group they wanted to find ways to like engage the community be be Jesus to other people and I uh one night they're like so we're going to go clean like rest stop not rest stop convenience store bathrooms so that way they can show them the love of Christ and I was like that is fucking stupid i had no interest in doing that that's a dumb thing that's something you do in high school no like we live in fucking lynchburg virginia we are come from liberty university this is just like they're gonna just be pumped that they get their bathrooms clean for free and they're still gonna think we're full of shit and we went to this uh, it was in downtown lynchburg we went to this convenience store and there was a woman sitting outside and we, there was this guy who was part of our group named Jeff. He was probably in his like forties. He was like a devil stomping Pentecostal. Like he thought he could command the Lord to just perform miracles in front of everybody's eyes. He was a strange Whoa. man, but like a s- snake juggler. Yeah. I mean, he would definitely, definitely goes into the snake handling category. Probably. Um, I mean, his wife 
died of cancer and he was, but they didn't believe in, in science and doctors and medicine. Like, and I remember him telling us that at one point, like they came in and took his wife and he's convinced that she died because they didn't like trust in the Lord or something like that. Like it was sad. Like it was really hard to like hear that story because it like how genuine he felt about it, but how like you just know like that he was so wrong. Um, Yeah. That's a dark turn for it. Yeah, man. Real fucked up shit. And, but yeah, like uh, you might've even seen him before, man. He used to walk up and down. I forgot what the main road was in like a wards road. He used to walk up and down wards road around Easter time with a giant cross on his back and shit. He was like bald. I think I did see that guy. Yeah. Did he Uh, wear like weird clothes too when he did it? Yeah, probably. He looked like a, like an ex military like kind of guy, but anyway, he was there and he wore like he had this shirt that said something on the back about Jesus, this or that. And um, there was a woman sitting outside, and uh, she just started like losing her shit. She was just like, "You a bunch of fucking Christians! You guys are like just losing it." And so we stopped and we talked to her. And, at first she didn't want anything to do with us so we went inside to clean these fucking bathrooms and and then we came out and she starts yelling at us again and you know so us in the group we try to talk to her and we're just like look i don't know i I don't know what you're saying like you see she was high like she was absolutely high um like you just like can we get you something um and then do you need a ride home whatever so we brought her in to the convenience store. I bought her like a few packs of cigarettes and some scratch tickets and like uh, whatever. I just bought her some like just weird shit like that. And then we drove her back to her apartment and we we went inside with her. And she just told us a story about how, you know, there's a, the train tracks in downtown. We're right by there. And she told us a story. She was just like, I, you know, like I lost my son. I, I'm an addict. She's like, I actually like, um, I, she got high that night and she was like, I just wanted to, like, I'm just, I, I came out here to just stand on the train tracks and kill myself. And we were just like, Oh, <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, she was like, like can that you, night. That was yeah. Yeah, that was that's what she said. I mean, I mean, maybe she was being just saying it because she was high. I don't know. I don't know what the truth was to that. Uh, but we, she was like, "Can you guys just like stay and talk to me? Can you guys pray with me?" And we we're like, "Yeah, definitely." So we all left that night, and but we gave her Jill and I gave her our numbers, and we're like, "Just let us know, like if." let us know what we can do for you. If we can, I don't know, we can help you anyway. And we, we stayed in touch with her after that. She would call us. She like, she called Jill one night. She's like, I need you to pick me up. She's like, I'm really high on meth and I can't get home. So she like, we're like, all right, Jill been picked her up, like bought her. Like, so, and so we would take, we would go to her apartment and we would, we would take her out to eat sometimes. Like we would just spend time with her. And, and but, you know, her, she lived in this apartment that was like owned by like a slumlord basically in Lynchburg. Like she lived like behind a toilet, essentially. It was like a, a, a room behind a toilet. And, and she, he accused her of stealing from her and he took her to court and she got convicted of 
stealing. Um, and she always convinced, like was denied that she did it. She actually told us that he, um, he accused her of stealing because she refused to give him a blow job. Um, and I believe that story more than anything. And, <laughs> but she ended up going because she had priors and all this shit. She ended up going to jail and we, uh, we just visited her in prison for the next couple of years until she got out. <laughs> and then, wow. and then she came to live with us, like when she didn't have a place and we, until we like, you know, we ended up getting in touch with her sister uh, who still lived in the area and her, her, um, her nephew or it might've been her daughter and her grandson. I don't remember to be honest. So much of that's foggy, but we ended up getting her a place of her own, like helping her not, we didn't really do it like her sister helped and we, you know, ended up helping her get into her own place, I guess. But, and we stayed in touch with her while we lived there. And eventually Jill and I, like, like I graduated, she graduated and we moved back to Massachusetts and we would probably talk to her once a month. Um, until a couple of years after that. I, I mean, it was probably like six or probably five or six years ago she died of cancer um but man like here i i'll not to like get weird um because i i mean i don't (laughs) i don't really talk like i'm still a christian i make fun of christian stuff a lot uh and i'm not obviously the christian that i once was but i think i've had enough weird experiences where i'm like yeah it's probably horse shit and you could chalk it up to I don't know, a chemical reaction in my brain or whatever. But the the most distinct experience, like spiritual experience I have was after she moved in with us and I walked out and uh, I walked down the hallway and she was just sitting on the couch and she looked up and she smiled at me. And I like, I, I went back into my room and I started to cry and I was like, whatever it means, whatever it's, I don't know what it means, but whatever it means, I, when she looked at me and she smiled, I, there was something different. I didn't see her. I saw, I, whatever God is, I felt like I saw it in her and like, I'll, I've carried that with me for the rest of my life. And I mean, that was uh, probably almost 10 years ago. Jeez. That's a, that's a crazy story. Yeah. Like, do, do you think, um, Like, what, how did that make you, like, change your perception of, like, faith? I mean, did it did it draw you closer to it, or did it push you further away from, like, the traditional construct? Uh, that's actually a really good question. It pushed me a little bit further away, um, because Jill and I were actively involved in just your typical Southern Baptist church at the time, and we were pretty involved. Like, no, most people, almost everyone there knew us. We were there every week. We attended every event. We were there for every service, uh, which was, I mean, I mean, we were there two or three times a week for services. I went to Sunday schools, like men's groups. We fucking did it all. And, you know, we were fucking, dude, we made like five, we probably made like seven bucks an hour at the time. Like, we're just kids and who got married a year, like two years prior and we have a two bed, like a shitty two bedroom apartment. Like, and we went, we taught, we like talked to like leadership from the church. And we're like, we need help. Like, 
someone has to know something about helping people like this. Like, I don't know anything about addicts. Like we're at work. Like she's sitting around. I don't want her to start doing drugs again. She just got out of jail. Like we just need some fucking help. And like, they were just, they're like, I might not be like, I don't know that you guys should be doing that. Like, that's kind of like, that might not be safe for you guys. Maybe that's not a good, like, and they did nothing. They didn't, they're just like, they did shit all to like help us out. Yeah, I knew what we were doing was the right thing. So, but after we were, after that, like, we were just like, I don't really feel like going there anymore. Like it just killed the vibe that hard where we're just like, what's because he's like the thing that it has always fascinated me about Christianity isn't, it used to be theology and I wanted to learn. I, all I wanted to know was the right things. I wanted to be able to argue people into changing their minds. And I, I've, it doesn't work like that anyway. And I know that now, but at the time I didn't. And I wanted to argue with other Christians. I would argue with people about why they shouldn't drink or smoke weed or have premarital sex. Or I, I argue with everybody about fucking everything. And, and then when like, like the, like when push comes to shove, like the reason I, I stayed with it ultimately was because like, I look at what Jesus would teach and I, I would think that that matters. Like to me, this is what can fix things. This can fix people. This can fix the world. And I, I still believe that. So like when I'm doing, like, I'm like, I know what we're doing is right. And to have like a church be like, I don't know, maybe that's not like, shouldn't be you guys as a responsibility. And it's just like, well, no one else is fucking doing it. Like, I don't know. what <laughs> I don't know. And so that was like a real big push out of it. Um, I, like, I think like, like what that's... was the point? I guess that for me, it was like, what's the point of any of that? What is the point? Is it just to show up and feel good about yourself and believe the right? Like that was my first, like first, like coming face to face with, okay, for these people, it's, like I, for me, it was, it was obviously about believing the right things. Otherwise I wouldn't have argued with people so much, but it was more than that. It was about just being the right belief, I guess. Um, and when it comes to actually doing shit and you, and, and it fell flat on its face in front of a bunch of people in their fifties who have supposedly been Christians their entire lives. I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like why? if this isn't it, then what is it? Like, what is it just so you can have this building? Like, cause you know, I, the big thing that like really made us see red was like, they had like 30 grand in their playground fund. So they could build a new playground to bring in kids from the community that they could tell about Jesus, but they couldn't help a young married couple who brought in a fucking homeless drug addict to like, to just get her on her feet. Like she wanted to come to church. She wanted to find a community. Like, and and they just were like, oh, that's like, that's, it's like, that's not what they signed up for. We don't want to actually do like hard work. We just want to exist, pretend like we're getting shit done. So that way people show up. And if you show up, then we'll welcome you, I suppose. But I, I think there's, there's so much to dissect there and, and it's hard to even know where to begin, but like, that's something that I really saw in, in my church too, like when I was younger and, you know, I was not me or any of my friends were ever the type that was going to do what you guys did, you know, like that was just foreign to us. But I think that's where it's, 
it's really hard to watch it some of the time. It's like, dude, as as easy as it is to crap on the people who didn't help that lady, like that's definitely the kind of person I was throughout all of it. <laughs> like I could not be bothered or inconvenienced by things like that. I, and yeah. I think that that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. One of the things that was similar, similar type of thinking uh, in my church was, you know, you're supposed to tithe 10%. And that was pretty consistently like the message, right? Uh, you know, from my church. They didn't like to come out and say like, hey, if you're not giving 10% of your income to us, like you're in the wrong. So they did a lot of like the the kind of workaround ways of reinforcing it. Yeah, yeah. But this evangel- evangel- evangelist uh, <laughs> came and he talked about uh, something he called faith promise. Which was like uh sounds promising. A, <laughs> right. It's typical evangelist stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like the traveling guy, nobody really knows how he makes it, but he stays in your house and he eats your food and then he's gone. <laughs> like two days later. Like carpet bagger church charlatan. <laughs> but faith promise was supposed to be something that you gave over and above your tithe. And faith promise could be anything. You know, it could be whatever. Whatever the Lord leads you to give, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, like I remember hearing some of the people in the church talk about like how they liked this idea of faith promise because, you know, tithing's 10%. Faith promise, you can just kind of give whatever you want. Hmm. It's like no, you guys are you guys are cherry picking the info here to do yeah. what's more convenient, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's so much of the trade. And, dude, like – I think that's part of why, you know, political action is so appealing to the church nowadays is because, you know, it's easy to advocate for these things that are supposedly like Christian policies and, you know, the way God would want them in the country and stuff. And right. doing that, you don't have to do anything except post some angry Facebook statuses. Yeah. <laughs> some dank memes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that over and over again where it's like people, you know, they go to church that pay lip service to the idea of, you know, reaching out to the community and stuff. But ultimately, like, hey, I gave my money. Um, you know, I did come out last summer and and spend some time working on the church roof. Yeah. You know, oh, I've that's met my obligation. That church is love free labor. <laughs> They do. They definitely do. But I it's, mean, it's, it's always for Southern Baptists because, you know, the only reason Southern Baptists split from Baptists is um, the the only divide. Like, so there was just Baptist and then it split because um, Bap- the Baptist church as a whole was like, maybe slavery is wrong. And Southern Baptist, and then they're like, the people who became the Southern Baptists are like, oh, I don't think so. We really like slavery. And really inconvenient for us to yeah. think that. So it's not gonna. So Southern Baptists actually like they straight up existed because there was like, oh, we want slaves though. And then so there was a split and then it was just Baptist and Southern Baptist. And Southern Baptists have been just getting super stiffies over free labor ever since with their missions programs. So <laughs> I thought they split because Southern Baptists wanted to be able to use fried chicken skin for communion. <laughs> <laughs> that too. But I, 
I just like it's it's so it's so funny to look at like the things that you know manifest themselves in different ways, but are all part of that central ideology that like I'm here, I'm singing the songs, I gave you a little bit of money, don't bother me, okay? yeah, don't interfere oh my, God, yeah. my life, and really, you know, if you want to talk about outreach, right, reaching out to the community, to the kind of people who need church. You know, all the all the typical groups that we've always, you know, been told that that we're we're trying to reach. Yeah. That gets messy. And you have to get involved. Like taking them to a church potluck and letting them, you know, having them go down the aisle and commit their life to Christ and like that doesn't change people's lives. Like personal relationships with someone is what changes their life. Yeah. And it's like I I yeah. I mean, that's what people definitely resist because, you know, you know, we used to pick up this girl. She was in a wheelchair. Um, we would just pick her up sometimes for school. She went to our like the church that we were going to, and we'd pick her up for school. We'd do, I don't know, stuff for her. And she, actually, we knew the person who used to help her out before us, and she got burnt out on on helping this girl because it was like, it was a mind blowing level of of neediness. And then, so when Jill and I started doing it after like, uh, probably like six or seven months, it was just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't like it. It just was too fucking much. And she kind of, and I, you feel bad because then like you go and she's like, she's in a wheelchair and she like lives in the upstairs of this house and her dad like kind of lived downstairs with his girlfriend and he would like, but she kind of had to like take care of herself. And uh, like you end up feeling like this exceptional level of guilt. Cause you're like, I can't do everything. I don't, I can't do this. But then you're like, but now I'm like, I feel shitty if I don't. Cause like you're a disabled person that actually really needs help but it's also like a very emotionally draining person. But that's also because, you know, there's stuff going on, like whatever her disability was. I don't honestly don't even entirely know what her disability was, but I'm like, then you feel guilty that it's draining because you're like, it's not, it's not her fault. And you just feel like really, it all just makes you feel so shitty about yourself. And eventually you like ask, you fight, you like get to know other people and you're like, Hey, do you mind helping her out with this? at this time because we're busy and they're like yeah we can do it and because it's like young christians like us they're like excited about being able to help so then they just literally like then you kind of passed her on to somebody else and that sounds fucking terrible to say but that we ended up doing that we're like ended up passing her on to like these other like young couple that wanted to help out and i'm sure at some point they were like we can't do this anymore and they did the same thing but then you think about this girl and you're like she probably knows people are doing this, but doesn't know that she's like needy to the point where she understands how difficult she is. Like there's so much going on there, but I'm like, and there is a level of Christian guilt of like, I need to help these people to like, and if it, it making me feel this way is the right thing. Like Jesus wouldn't give up on like, there's a lot of Christian guilt that comes with doing the right thing. Um, so I don't even want to pretend like I was ever above that. Like there's a lot of stuff that I've done in my life out of pure guilt. And I don't think that's the right reason to do anything. I think it can still be beneficial and helpful. Um, I think with the woman that we helped out, like, so I also do want to 
clarify, like I didn't walk around looking at people who didn't help out as like the part of the problem. Like that no one knew her. Like Jill and I met her. Jill and I committed ourselves to helping her. Like our frustration wasn't that I shouldn't like that no one would do anything uh, or that no one like complete strangers or just randos in the church didn't feel the need to get involved. I would have liked that a little. Um, but you know, when we went to the, the, the church, we were like, the, we had very concrete things that we needed. You know, we're like, you guys have funds for everything. And I was like, is there any chance that we can get a, like, we're, ha- we're struggling, like maybe we're struggling financially and, or, struggling to get her ride somewhere. We're like, look, is there anyone in this group of 300 people that has any experience with the Salvation Army that could help her maybe find a place? Or is there anyone in real estate here who could help her find it? Like we were looking for very practical things that someone could volunteer a short bit of their time to, and they wouldn't even just throw it out there to the group. They're just like, no, like we, I mean, we, they like they they and that was the, actually thinking about it the second occasion that they refused to throw out something to the group to the church that would have been really helpful because there was their feeling was you know we can't really just like use this time to just ask people for things because then you know and then everyone's going to want to do that and like we can't we can't sustain that and my thought, I've, I'm like driving home and all of a sudden you're just like, wait, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what's the, will, what is the point? What's the fucking point? Help and people will ask for help and that would be inconvenient. Oh my God, dude. I just, the, that was the most angry like we'd ever felt as, as like church going kids. I mean, and we eventually moved like the, uh, I could go. My, I feel like my trajectory takes forever to get through because eventually we moved to Boston. Like we moved back to Massachusetts and then we wanted, we moved to Boston because we wanted to help with like a church plant there. Um, it was my old youth pastor who was starting a church who had started a church out in Boston. And I always wanted to live in Boston because it's a dope ass city. And so I was, you know, really intent on moving there and it, it worked out we got everything set up uh got some roommates out there and through a series of multiple things after just about honestly less than a year i was like that was like my big ah okay this isn't me anymore like i'm not i can't do evangelical church i can't i'm not I'm just not this kind of Christian anymore. It's not working for me. That's where, I mean, my, my foster son now who's 17, um, that's where I met him, uh, was out in Boston, which was actually a long time ago. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, because I met him when he was like nine and now he's 17. And so it's like, but I met him through that. So uh, you know what I think is funny is like all these stupid things I did, all the reasons that I left, the like Christianity and any like in its typical form through every single one of those things um, is there were were things that actually like were the things that pushed me out, but also were things that changed my life in a lot of ways. So like I have a weird, like if I'm, if I'm being generous and empathetic, I look back on it and I don't have, I, I shouldn't say so many terrible things about it. 
because if it wasn't for those, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have met uh, Julianne or, and we wouldn't have had her in our life or I wouldn't have met our, our foster son. Um, so it's like, it's I it's almost part like, of my life to these things. So I have like this, like, it's like, just have, it's like, I don't know. It, it's like this, it's a weird feeling to have, to know that. It you almost owe a lot of, like, no, you go. You went through it thinking like, you know, okay, looking back on this stuff, you know, these were the couple of things I experienced that felt real. And they're also the things that people in this group don't want anything to do with. Yeah. That's a real, that's a good way to look at it. I think there's definitely truth to that. Like in everything else, like, so for me, the authentic things stayed and everything else fell away. And that, that definitely, they fell away without, like, I, I didn't walk away without any bitterness or frustration, which is why we're doing this. Cause I got a lot of things to say and I'd like to be funny about it when I can. I don't I might not be funny. You laugh at it. My friends laugh. I don't know if anyone else will. Um, but I just, there's so much for me to rip on, even though, because <laughs> it's like, I get that they want to be authentic, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I There's also that part of me that like, there's, and the way that I've always believed in it has made me want to open myself up to the things that I think it's all about. And, you know, as I shed beliefs or ideologies, the, the philosophy of what it is has kind of stayed the same. And I find myself always like in, and my wife and I always being open to the things that um, are representative of the philosophy of it more than just like, just facts about what God's like or this or that. And I, I, because we just move through life with that, like I don't go looking. I honestly promise you, I don't go looking for anything. Like the only reason I've ever f- had any of these situations happen is because i said yes to something out of guilt i mean even my like my foster son like when he was nine it was just when i lived in boston someone goes hey would you want to like meet up like spend some time with this kid once a week he's kind of getting into some trouble and they just want like a mentor and i was like i don't think so and then my friend goes just think about it and i was like (laughs) fuck fine i guess i'll think about it and then a week later i just felt so shitty about just not doing anything I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I would like take this kid to like McDonald's once a week or something. Like I felt like I kind of half-assed it. And then as time went on, you just like connect to him. And now, I mean, he, this is his third time living with us. And now he's living with us until he graduates high school. And you're like, all because I said yes. I Like, so I'm not, it wasn't like any act of altruism, but there was like the, and a lot of it was out of guilt. But when I would let it sit with me, I'm like, a lot of it is also because, it feels to me like these are the kind of things that life's about. And, you know, I haven't done anything particularly special in a long time. Like I'm, I got two little kids. I got a mortgage. I got a full-time job. Like, you don't, I don't know. I'm just another fucking cog in the wheel. Um, but I, there's still, like, there's still parts of the, this story that resonate with me, I guess. And that's why I'm, I, I still operate within uh, at least try to operate within like i think like you said I, I you kind of pointed out in the first episode we did that i treat it more like a philosophy um and i think that's what i do i think that's what i want to do i 
I don't know. I, I don't need to talk anymore. I feel like I just, I get to this point where I'm like, I keep wanting to backpedal everything I say. Cause I don't want to make myself, I don't want to sound dumb, but I don't want to sound like I'm special. <laughs> so then I'm just sound like a fucking idiot. Well, I think I experienced uh, a lot of those same feelings and couldn't be bothered to help anyone. So I left the church just to rid myself of guilt. <laughs> but what now, I wish more people would do that, though. I can just look back and judge other people while still not doing anything. <laughs> Satanism has in that way you know like the do what thou wilt sort of thing yep <laughs> i mean maybe i'll be that way i don't know they have meetings too i'm not ready to commit time to anything yeah it's a lot it's a lot of work <laughs> you have to drink some blood too i think dude that's a crazy story i mean that's that's interesting stuff i i mean i've heard you in passing like mention your your foster son and you know, the lady that lived with you and stuff. I mean, to hear the whole story on it, though, is that's that's a lot, man. That's a lot of responsibility that you took on, you know, completely on your own. Well, you and you and Jill. Yeah, that's funny. That's crazy. That's weird to look back on. It's funny. I don't feel like I got into hardly any real. I mean, that all happened like all that. The, the whole story of, of Julianne all happened while I was in college. Um, but. I feel like there's so many other things about college that were like that ended up preoccupying the entire thing. But I'm like, there's so much, dude, there was way too much to talk about when it comes to like Liberty university and that experience. I mean, we didn't talk yeah. about my identical twin roommates who dressed the same every day when I was, uh... <laughs> I totally forgot about them. <laughs> they were incredible. And it's exactly as it sounds. And they would, uh, the- one would walk exactly four and a half feet behind the other one. And they had, generally the same classes whichever one got up first would lay out the clothes for the other one so they could wear the same thing oh my god they that never the talked weird. to me i lived in a dorm with them for an entire year and they never had a conversation with me yeah it was some serious like red rum level yeah they slept on their backs with their arms crossed over their chest like <laughs> creepy fucking shit dude <laughs> They, they, it would have just like if they would have just <laughs> turned and looked at you every night and just oh said, my god if staring. i had to fall asleep with them staring at me every night <laughs> oh, wow yeah yeah we missed well, a lot but i say we wrap this one up yeah i think we uh we're just gonna have to periodically come back and hit another little sliver of the college pie yeah <laughs> There's no, it's not going to not come up for the next X amount of time. Right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We got uh, we got a couple of guests that we're working on that I think is going to it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, keep your ears open, and we'll see you next time. See you, everyone.